Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. I uh, walked into my husband's studio. Well, it's my studio too, but when I'm not using the studio, it's his studio because he does voice work. Um, and it's his office. Like my office is in the middle of the house. I need like stuff going on around me. He needs quiet. So I walk in there to tell him that this morning I watched Tracy Chapman and um, Luke Combs doing Fast Car for the 53rd time. I mean, I'm obsessed with watching that. First of all, there are seldom performances. I'm very, very, very picky about what I will watch and things that I will watch more than once, rare. But that hap- has to be one of the finest performances that I have ever seen. Uh, and it's a simple duet with her playing guitar and a violinist and a drummer. I mean, it really, it doesn't get any more simple than that. And of course, I remember when Fast Car came out, and I remember that year Tracy Chapman cleaned up at the Grammys. She won like the best recording artist and the best song, and then disappeared from everyone. Apparently, she was still making albums, but nobody ever saw her again. And of course, that became the anthem for gay women. And I, nobody ever, I don't know if she's gay or not. It just, they picked that song and it became the gay anthem. And it was just a, 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 there are certain periods of time when certain musicians rise to the top and they may only have one big hit in their whole life, but they signify something that's happening in the world. I will tell you, when people ask me who I think the most important musician ever, ever was in my lifetime, and in spite of the fact that, you know, obviously if I point to... Uh, you know, Sinatra or Duke Ellington, or if I point to Michael Jackson, uh, there'll be a whole bunch of people lined up with me, right? But I think the single most important artist was Prince. I think Prince changed music more than any other artist ever did before or since. And I, I, you know, I can make that case for you. It's not the right venue, this program, but trust me, I've given it a lot of thought, had a lot of debates and arguments about it. Um, And that's my opinion. But I think Tracy Chapman's song was a pivotal uh, change when you saw R&B and country music come together, and folk music, actually, in a way that it had never come before. And it, it changed all of those genres forever. And that's my take on it. So I'd really have enjoyed this. This morning I walked in, I wanted my husband to hear it because he had not heard it. And so we were trying to find it and, you know, over at YouTube and everything else. And this 
thing kept popping up on YouTube saying Toby Keith is dead. And I'm going, oh, don't pay attention to that. I hate when they do that. Toby Keith is not dead. Toby Keith is dead. And I, I don't know why I had so much trouble, you know, believing it. Well, first and foremost, a lot of these musicians don't really tell you what's going on. I like the fact that we know that, uh, and certainly celebrities, same category, we know what's happening with Bruce Willis, we know what's happening with Celine Dion, and I think it makes it easier for the fans to kind of walk through this with them and love them while they're still alive, you know? But I never heard that Toby Keith was that sick. Um, he had stomach cancer, and he died surrounded by his family peacefully yesterday. And this, I, I can only tell you that I love Toby Keith, used Toby Keith music in my show f since I started my show because he was the most overtly patriotic guy out there. You know, uh, courtesy of the red, white, and blue. Um, red Soul, he, he just, he, he, fantastic. I mean, he must have had hundreds of hits, but I know he had 20 number one hits. And, and that duet, with Willie Nelson, Beer for My Horse. I mean, just a, a an extraordinary country music artist. And apparently, throughout these treatments for cancer that he was going through, right up until the People's Choice Award, which was just in December, he did his song, Don't Let the Old Man In. I saw it on YouTube. <laughs> and he said during an interview that aired last month that cancer is a roller coaster. You sit there and wait on it to go away. And it might never go away. Well, it didn't go away. And you would have never known that. I mean, this guy was a, 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 a kid who worked in the oil fields of Oklahoma when he was young. He played semi-pro football before he began singing. And he wrote fantastic songs. Um, and he learned a lot of lessons the hard way, you know, the, the school of hard knocks. But again, you know, I just... I don't believe anything. That I guess the reason I'm telling you that story is because I look at things online and I immediately discount them and think they're fake news. Immediately. Like, no, he's not dead. I, I literally said that. I had to come back into my husband's study an hour later after having poured through a bunch of news and verifying that, in fact, Toby Keith was dead. And I walked in and he said to me, you know, boy, talk about how jaded you have become. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. And, and I, I have to learn how to temper my lack of faith or disbelief in the media and in news in particular, because I'm going to miss important stories if I don't do it. So, you know, uh, rest in peace. You, you, you should have been a cowboy. You know, that was, of course, his breakout hit. And I probably played that song a uh, hundred times. But, uh, you know, at the time he came out, so did Shania Twain. And she was like the big, big name in country music and, and, and certainly in, in that uh, period. And so he never got as much attention as he probably deserved. Wore his politics on his sleeve. He played at the inauguration. I saw him at the uh, Trump inauguration. He um, 
he definitely played at events for all the presidents, including the, you know, Barack Obama, the the Democrat. Then he had that fight between him and the Dixie Chicks, because uh, the a crowd uh, she spoke in front of a crowd one time and said she was ashamed of the president, and and she also had said that Toby Keith and, and his patriotic songs were uh, nonsense. So. But listen, I bring it up because it's amazing to me how I have all these tools, all of these online tools where I can gather information, but I've become so jaded. I just don't believe anything until I've had it backed up three or four times, which is probably something everybody who reports anything should do. Make sure that you're not getting caught up and or blindsided by some fake news like you know oh taylor swift disrespected celine dion you knew that was a lie and in fact it was a lie but it's just oh what a tangled web the media has weaved because they deceive they've practiced deceit and of course there are some big news stories today beyond uh, the passing of of uh, toby keith and beyond, like, why is everyone obsessed with talking about King Charles's cancer and how's a, you know, the world going to handle it? I mean, uh, he was so fixated on personalities. And maybe I am as well, but I'm more fixated on personalities that have some meaning in terms of what's going to happen to the world. For instance, when I saw the first news that, you know, Tucker Carlson spotted in Moscow, and then it was, oh, getting an interview with that Vladimir Putin, he's a Putin puppet, and all the rest of that nonsense that immediately came out. And all I could think of, and thank God today, it's not only just me thinking of this, and I'm sure I wasn't even the first one to think of it, but how come when Barbara Wawa went and interviewed Vladimir Putin, it was like they couldn't stop fawning over her courage and her, her amazing gifts and skills as an interviewer. But not Tucker Carlson. For him, it's, you know, you're a Putin butt puppet. Ridiculous. Just ridiculous. And then, that's a story. I want to see that interview. I'm sure you do, too. But then there was, uh, you know, a decision at the appellate level that, uh, forget about that presidential immunity stuff. It's not going to apply. And one would only have to ask themselves, is it not going to apply because we're talking about Donald Trump? Because... If that's so, you just screwed up America's entire future. Because any president who's not going to be afforded presidential immunity for the period of time that they're the president, January 6th, he was still the president. Well, then why would they ever, really, why would they ever make a tough decision? It would be uh, in their best interest to just... uh, Kick it, kick the can down the road anytime you can. Just awful, you know. These are such awful times, and and you know, I'm a, I'm a prayer warrior. I do a lot of praying, but today, I really, I really have a a a lot to be grateful for, to thank God for, and a lot of questions. You know, I I need God to move. The world needs Him to move, and I'm not a you know, I'm not afraid to, to say that I think that's really the only answer left. 
But boy, are they making it hard for anybody who wants to stand up for this country, who wants to believe in this country. You know, today, Toby Keith's a big hero, but I remember all the arrows, slings and arrows he took for his patriotic fervor. It was a time, you know, when being a patriotic American was something we uh, applauded. Now it's, uh, meh. But it's America's not that great. America's, uh, you know, not a not a great nation. Ugh. Makes me sick to my stomach, and I'm sure it makes you sick to your stomach as well. And then I saw a great headline, though, just to give you a little chuckle before I take my break. So this headline had a picture of Marilyn Monroe and Joe DiMaggio, and it said, long before there was uh, Tavis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, there was Jolton Joe and Magnificent Marilyn, and you know, that's that's really true. And I can tell you that those roses showed up at her gravesite long after Joe had died. Just saying. Some great loves. You know, they're just they just are what they are. They're storybook fantasies, but sometimes they really do happen. Anyway, don't forget if you download our eight fifty WFTL app. You could have already been listening to all the podcasts, mine, uh, the Unidentified Alien podcast, Cool Dad Rules, and of course the daily shows. It's all there on your app or go to the website, 850wftl.com. That way you can also get in on the contests and cool stuff. I got so much to talk about today and so little time. Let me take this break and get right back. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. So you have got to wonder how this all eventually plays out, the fact that uh, this ruling came down. Uh, it's going to go to the Supreme Court. There's no question about it. And the Supreme Court really is not happy when they're presented with cases like this. You, you know, they still have the shadow of Bush v. Gore looming over the, the Supreme Court. Um, and so I just, why, why are we so quick to allow feelings really, because that's what they are about Donald Trump interfere with just the constitution itself. I, I just, I've never disliked anybody the way they dislike this man. And, and believe me, I left the Democrat Party, because of Bill Clinton, really, when you think about it, it wasn't directly for that, but it was that time, because he re he resent he he embolized or whatever the right word is, represented the worst of the Democrat Party. And then I was definitely uh, to say I was not a fan of Barack Obama is like very kind, because I really I I had zero. Um, respect for him at the beginning. Over the years, he managed to, you know, um, change my mind about certain things. But uh, you know, I, he's he's like not an he doesn't even like America. You know, people who don't like America shouldn't be their president. That's all. 
but I never in my life would have tried to destroy the man. And I certainly wouldn't have destroyed the Constitution going after him. Because it's insane. I remember, you know, during the whole Bush v. Gore thing, that the, Al Gore once sent a message out to all of his aides. Uh, and in those days, he probably did it on a pager. I don't know, a BlackBerry. <laughs> it wasn't the days that, that we're living in now. And he said, you know, please make sure that no one trashes the Supreme Court. That's what he was telling his aides. Like, don't, you know, don't blame them. Because if staffers were all going crazy. We was robbed, uh, you know. But that decision created so much debate about the Supreme Court and presidential politics. I remember. And on Thursday, they're scheduled to now hear arguments on whether Donald Trump can be removed from the Colorado ballot because of allegations about January 6th. He's never been charged with insurrection. And now, now we know the justices may also have to weigh in on this presidential immunity from federal charges. So no matter how the court decides, here we go again. We're going we're gonna to have the kind of debate that literally sent this country into convulsions in the year 2000. So I, I, all I know is these are going to be very difficult times. And at my age, you know, I, I just dread that my children and grandchildren's futures will be so adversely affected by this insane Trump derangement syndrome. Because in the end, that's what it boils down to. It's really nothing more than they, they just hate this guy with every fiber of their being, and they will do anything, including trash the country, to bring him down. It's very, very, very disturbing to me. Because um, I was there, I mean, here in Florida, it was like we hit the lotto. Everybody was coming down. That's when you first learned about people like Bill Hammer and, you know, all of these people who became big celebrities was because of that, uh, you know, the Bush v. Gore controversy. And we were in the middle of it. I was never invited on so many television shows in my life. Every other day I was on uh, MSLSD and CNN and, and, and the Fox, but really on every station, the local 754 because it was a huge story, and the Florida Supreme Court was the one that got dealt the hand of, you know, what do, what do you do with a hanging chad? We, nobody even knew what that meant <laughs> until then. And then, of course, it became, you know, the way they trashed the Republicans forevermore. You know, 10 o'clock that ruling came out, I will never forget and it was a huge ruling, um, seven to two ruling. So it wasn't even close uh, that the justices decided that the Florida Supreme Court's approval of recounting votes without certain safeguards violated George Bush's equal protection rights under the 14th Amendment. Uh, hey, it was, it was huge, and it, it has 
hovered over every other decision the Supreme Court has ever made regarding politics, elections, and certainly presidential politics. Um, and, and by a five to four vote, the court ruled in an unsigned decision there wasn't enough time for a recount. So they gave Florida to George Bush, and that was it. He got the White House. Now, I think, uh, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm very glad. That's all I can say. Who would have wanted to be struck on 9-11 and Al Gore to be your president? Mm, no, that, that's a, I, I don't even think anybody on the left would venture to say that, that made, they would have felt safe. No. As a matter of fact, um, all the five justices in the majority were, well, you know, were conservatives. It was Scalia. It was Sandra Day O'Connor. It was Clarence Thomas. It was Rehnquist and Kennedy. And all of them had been nominated by Republican presidents. The only two there that weren't in the dissent were Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Stephen Breyer, right? And boy, I'll tell you, tempers flared. Um, the, the Rehnquist court is definitely always going to be studied for that. And it was a bare majority of the high court that actually saved this country from a potential constitutional crisis, which, by the way, we're on the verge of again. Why? That's all I want to know. I remember uh, Dersh, uh, Alan Dershowitz wrote in his book back in, uh, oh God, it was right, right around the time of 9-11. He wrote a book called Supreme Injustice. And, and uh, we'll see. We'll see. This is, uh, is going to be very interesting because he's definitely changed his position on a lot of things, including his position on whether or not uh, Donald Trump should be kept off that ballot. He, uh, he doesn't think that's uh, constitutional. So uh, what can I tell you? We are in some very, very troubled times. And then to have to watch all of the drivel that's presented as news each and every morning, each and every evening. I don't know how you people can stand it. I really don't. If I were, if I had any other career at this point in my life, I don't know that I would watch anybody or anything anymore. Like I said, I couldn't even believe that Toby Keith was dead. Like, why would I find that unbelievable? But I did. It's like, just, I'm so used to them scamming, you know, clickbait, whatever they'll do to get you to click on their website, they'll do it. They have no shame, no pride, no, no integrity, none of that. So I can't even, you know, trust that they'll tell me if somebody's actually alive or dead. Amazing. Because it wasn't like this when I was growing up, I'll tell you that much. Anyway, let me take a break. Stay right where you are. I got a lot more to talk about today. Uh, no guess, but uh, just you and me, kid. And like I said, you know, I'm like uh, Joe DiMaggio. I just, you know, when I love, I love forever. And I love you guys. So stay right where you are. All right. So look, obviously, everybody can pretty much figure out where I stand on this immigration issue and this bill, right? To begin with. Mixing what they're claiming will be a solution to the open border on our southern border with financial backing for wars in Ukraine and the Middle East, to my mind, 
is ridiculous. It is everything that is wrong with our legislative system. Because you see, real decision-making means you have to address an issue this monumental one at a time. You don't make them uh, pawns in political horse trading. And that should seem obvious to everyone, right? And the solution to what we should do about the border is even more obvious. You have to shut it. You have to shut it first. With 10 million, possibly even more, illegal aliens having crossed over just since Joe Biden took office, you can't leave it open. Not one more day. Only if we close the border down can we ever hope to figure out how to open it up again in hopefully a different, rational kind of way. This has been a political football for my entire radio career. And the American people are sick and tired of watching it get kicked around by their leadership, who who apparently, you know, the leadership of this country, whether it's the congressional leadership, the party leadership, or the uh, White House, or any other, you know, governor's associations, they are completely out of sync with what we the people want, what the voters want. It's, it's, that's what's responsible for the insanity that we're looking at. Police being stomped on by organized alien gangs, gangs that are engaged in some kind of crime wave. I was watching video this morning of there's a, a criminal gang that literally they're on bicycles and they run around and they steal cell phones, right? from people, but they do like whatever they have to do to get the cell phone without getting off their bicycle. So there's this one video this morning of them dragging this guy on a bike, dragging this 60 plus year old woman, uh, you know, around the corner and down the block for her cell phone. Okay. This is reprehensible. This is a crime wave, the likes of which, you know, make absolutely no sense to anybody. To, they they send kids home from school so that illegal immigrants can sleep in their schools. And it's the same illegal immigrants who are getting free health care. And now in New York, they're getting prepaid credit cards at a cost of eh, $53 million to the taxpayer. Does that sound crazy to you? Well, it should, because it is crazy. And now... They show up with this ridiculous piece of legislation that would continue to allow, listen to this, 4,999 illegal aliens to enter the country every single day. So that's like, I don't know, almost 2 million a year. Talk about kicking the can down the road. This would be like kicking it up in the air and then letting it fall down where it started. How about, you know, I, I have no idea why we have tolerated this so long. The, there are laws on the books. How about just legal-only immigration? I mean, if you want to have regulated work permits, I think it was uh, uh, one of the writers in, in Epic who, who wrote a, a piece about, uh, why not have regulated work permits? We know we got to fix it. 
So how about if we say, okay, well, we're going to be admitting these people, uh, but we need to know who they are, where they're going, what they bring to the table, blah, blah, blah. They need to assimilate into our culture, the culture of our founders, not the culture of the, you know, uh, MTV. And it should be mandatory. Either you become like an American, an American, or go home. Because the message of the current illegal immigration couldn't be more obvious, right? We're telling these people we are not a nation of laws and we don't care about the Constitution. And we just have it for show. You know, we, we, we don't really take it seriously. And therefore, why should you? In essence, we tell them you could do what you want once you get on the inside. We'll even support you financially. We'll support you above our own citizens. What kind of message is that? You know, the Bible says you reap what you sow. And what we're sowing here is the end of our constitutional republic. A lot of the proposed legislation, and I've, you know, spoken to people who have poured over it, professional pouring, like at FAIR, Federation for American Immigration Reform. Thursday, um, Ira Melman will be on with me. But, you know, what is in this bill and who's getting what? The first thing you have to know is they have redefined the term political asylum. Now it is the biggest basket of BS that you have ever, ever contemplated. This is no longer the land of the free. We're, we're assumed to be this democratic place, the land of the free, and, and don't worry if you live in some totalitarian regime, if you're in a communist country, you can seek rescue, asylum. But is that true any longer? Because there are certainly worse regimes like China, ruled by the Chinese Communist Party, or Iran, where the mullahs crack down hard on anybody who deviates from what they believe. But what about us? Look at what we're doing to our own citizens now. We're like a, a virtual surveillance state with little personal communication that we might engage in, you and me, that's not observed by our government, that's in cahoots with all these tech companies, these multinational tech companies. And the weaponization of our justice system is just roaring ahead. The incarceration of the protesters, that's not just the stuff of a banana republic. That's more like uh, the Soviet Union under Stalin when they had the purge trials. So really, it might be time for us to take a more careful look at ourselves during this border crisis, who's coming here and for what purpose, because political asylum is not the right term. It's almost comical these days. You know, stuffing future ballot boxes would be a more accurate description. And the only thing I can say is that, thank God, this new legislation appears to be dead on arrival. It better stay that way. Because if, this, if, they, if we indulge them any further and allow this piece of crap bill 
to get to the president's desk where he will definitely sign it. America, as you know, it is just a, a footnote in the history books. That's all. Wake up. You know, it really is necessary that we begin to, to, to be conscious of how we're slip sliding into this horrific future. And it started with this whole COVID thing. Uh, I got to I gotta go there. I do. You know, for four years, we've walked around presuming that, uh, you know, well, when they told us to lock down, we did it because we were afraid of the virus. And uh, we did it because we were intimidated by all of the propaganda, which was coming at us constantly. And then, of course, there a little bit of mass formation, you know, the madness of crowds kicked in, and we all, like, just gave up our brains in favor of following a myth, no matter where it took us. That's like the conventional version of what happened. But now, we keep hearing that there were a lot of people who were descending at the time, but nobody could hear them. Whether and to what extent people understood that this was tyranny at its worst is important. It's complicated, though, because you have to accumulate evidence that the government worked with tech and worked with media, and therefore, with all the main ways that people get their news, to actively suppress anybody who didn't agree with the prevailing voice. If you didn't agree with Fauci, you got silenced even when you were a recognized expert with great credibility. I forgot who the writer was also in Epic Teddy. He said, did you ever see the movie Big Short? The Big Short? It was based on this book by Michael Lewis where he tells the story of a short-selling contrarian by the name of Michael Burry of Scion Capital. Back in 2006, he began to notice that there were some pretty strange features to the housing bubble, that these financial products that they were calling mortgage-backed securities were filled with highly rated mortgage bonds with terribly rated ones. And the more he looked, the more he was convinced that there was going to be a massive bust coming. So he shorted the market, even going to the point of pushing financial firms to create funds that shorted the market that didn't even exist until then. Very few people believed there was a bubble in housing because all the experts, including the head of the central bank, said, no, 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 that's not a problem. The whole system was propping up a fake market. And Burry, who happens to be a physician, believed it was going to fail. He looked at all the details instead of trusting the experts, and guess what? He turned out to be correct. Early, but correct. And if you've seen the movie or you read the book, he's a hero because he went against the crowd and he went against the experts. Why? Because never trust the system. Don't trust the conventional wisdom, the madness of crowds. Do your own research like Dr. Burry did. When the lockdowns began in March of 2020, he went out on Twitter solely for the purpose to say, do not fall for this crap. He said, stay-at-home policies, I looked it up, stay-at-home policies need not be universal. COVID-19 is a disease that is somewhat lethal for the obese, the very old, the already sick, 
public policies have no nuance because they want to maximize fear to enforce compliance. But universal stay-at-home policies, this is what he said, devastate small and medium-sized businesses, that was correct, indirectly beat up women and children, that was correct, kill and create drug addicts, that was correct, engender suicides, also correct, and in general, create a ton of misery and mental anguish. And those secondary and tertiary effects got no play from the media. He said, Americans must not abide. When I'm putting out buttons that say, you know, <laughs> you must refuse to comply, he's putting out tweets that say, you know, don't do it. You must not abide. You know, 2.8 million people roughly die in the United States every year. And the worst estimates for COVID would add less than 10% to that total. And we allowed them to deprive our children of education, keep us out of our churches, uh, you know, and, and not develop herd immunity, which, by the way, would be the ultimate good, right? Oh, Lord. Hindsight is twenty twenty. unfortunately. Anyway, let me take a break. Don't forget, coming up after me is Eric Erickson, and then following that is Joe Paggs and uh, Lars Larson and the Overnight Guys. And then tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., Jen and Bill will be back with the South Florida Morning Show, followed at 9 by Brian Kilmeade, followed at noon by Dan Bongino, and then I'll be back at 3 o'clock tomorrow. But I still have one segment left today, so don't touch that dial. Just stay right where you are. So, of course, uh, Hopping in Vegas. I have a friend who lives out there, and it's crazy town um, because you got the Super Bowl week, um, and well, and and then they add Taylor Swift <laughs> to it, and you're gonna have like just a lot of people in Las Vegas, and it look Vegas is never known for being classy or understated. Um, they, they are, they're all about, uh, you know, ladies dancing and gambling and drinking and all that just, uh, you know, uh, whorehouses. I mean, that's what Vegas has always been about. And now you have all the glitz of a, you know, a superstar like Taylor Swift being the uh, girlfriend of, uh, of one of the players, Travis Kelsey there. He's so... <laughs> It's like a, a big party in Vegas. That's all I'm going to say. And it'll be interesting. Um, I don't ever watch the Super Bowl. I'm one of these people. I don't, you know, I don't care about the commercials. I'll get to see them all the next day. All of them. And I won't have to sit through the crummy ones. And I, I don't care how much they cost. You know, they cost way too much money. But is it way too much money when you know you've got that huge an audience? So we'll see. There's going to be a lot of uh, propaganda, a lot of nonsense. Apparently, there are going to be two national anthems again. That's our new thing is we have two national anthems. I don't care. I mean, you can't have too many national anthems as long as they don't eliminate the traditional one. You know, it's okay with me. Uh, I, I Just stay on your feet is all I'm going to say. 
but this halftime show with Usher, like, I no, <laughs> I don't care. I really don't. I'd actually prefer that it be uh, Taylor Swift because that would be uh, something, I'm sure, extravagant and very Vegasy. but I don't know. Usher seems to me a little laid back and low-key for for the event, but I'm sure that uh, they, they will spare no expense. And he can invite her up on the, on the stage if he wants to, because she'll definitely be there. And, uh, and that's that. I don't even know what stadium. I guess it's the Allegiant Stadium, the one where they play their games. Yeah, I guess so. It'll be, uh, it'll be interesting. And, and it'll be great to be out. I, I, I usually go to the movies because there'll be nobody at the movies. Nobody. There'll be nobody on the roads. There'll be nobody in the restaurants. The only places that'll be busy are, you know, Wings Plus. There'll be people standing. They'll be picking up their orders. Last year, I remember, because uh, the church is right across the street from the Fort Lauderdale Wings Plus, and you had to, like, you ordered them ahead of time, and then you would come up. There were tables on the outside of the restaurant, and they would literally bring your things out to you because it was just that crazy. So, you know, that's other than that, I, I go anywhere I want on Super Bowl weekend because the store's empty, the roads are empty. It's going to be fabulous. That's my kind of town. So I thank you for your time this time until next time. And my plan is to be back here tomorrow at 3 p.m. That's if it be his will and he delays his coming. Remember what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And then um, RIP, rest in peace, Toby Keith. And all of you who are going through what I'm going through, hard figuring out what you're going to believe and what you're going to not. But uh, I'm, I'm learning some hacks, some quick fixes for it. God bless you. God bless the United States of America. God bless Israel. And I'll see you all tomorrow at three. The Joyce Kaufman podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.